Listen, there's a great work to be done. As soon as you win this court battle, you must deliver this message. Take advantage of this opportunity and declare a powerful message to this world. He expects more of us. He believes we can do more. Who's gonna stop Christ? Who's gonna stop Christ from getting this work done? This is Behind the Work. Welcome to Behind the Work. I'm Grant Turgeon. We're broadcasting to you live today from the Herbert W. Armstrong College campus here in Edmond, Oklahoma. Last week here on campus was orientation week for both Armstrong College and Imperial Academy. Last week on the show, I did say that we would have some audio clips from the orientation lectures by Armstrong College Chancellor Gerald Flurry, Armstrong President Stephen Flurry, and Imperial Academy Principal Wayne Turgeon. So we're just going to start the show off strong today with an audio clip with highlights from all three of those lectures. So first with Mr. Gerald Flurry, then with Mr. Stephen Flurry, and then finally with Mr. Wayne Turgeon. And this will be about 10 minutes long. Please enjoy. Luke 22 and verse 24. So here are these disciples, and what do you think they're thinking about? What are you thinking about today? <laughs> what are you thinking about? <clears throat> well, here's what they were thinking about. And there was also a strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. Now, that's, that's a, just a wonderful subject to be thinking about right in the presence of Christ. <laughs> I, I mean, he had a lot of patience in dealing with those guys, I'll tell you. Uh, and, uh, and here's what he said. And he said unto them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But you shall not be so. You shall not be so. You're going to have to be totally different than that. You can't be like the Gentiles. He's talking physically and spiritually. You can't be that way if you want to be great. If you want to really be great, you can't be that way. You're going to have to be different. He that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger and be that of his chief and he that does serve. Oh, if you want to be great, you're going to have to be a servant. Well, did Christ set that example? I mean, he served to the, well, to the degree that we can't even imagine or comprehend probably like we should. But notice what he did, for whether is greater, he that sits at meat or he that serves is not he that sits at meat, but I am among you as he that serves. Did he ever come to serve? Oh, brethren, did he ever come to serve? We have this college here today because he came to serve, gave his life. He was beaten. And, and made, it, made it possible for us to be healed of our afflictions. 
He was beaten before he was put upon the cross. And paid the price for our physical sins. For our physical sins. By his stripes you are healed. But that was just the beginning. Then he got up on the, on the cross and he was crucified. And he spilled his blood. They spilled his blood. And he became sin. And you talk about being a servant. I mean, that's an understatement in a way, isn't it? When you think about what he went through. We're here to be servants. That's not natural, is it? It's not natural for us to be servants. Well, we're, we're thinking about, I want to do what makes me great, like the disciples. I want to be the greatest. And God says, well, if you want to be great, you're going to have to serve the way I did. That's just the way it is that we, if we're going to be in the kingdom of God. But if you go around selfishly breaking God's law of love, you're not serving. And we are just selfish. That's just the way we're made. And we have a lot of that in our lives. I do, you do, we all do. We are sinners. But God says something a little further down. I'll... Uh, I think it's verse 28, yeah. Verse 28, you are they which have continued with me in my temptations. You are they. In other words, you, you stayed with me. You stayed with me no matter what trials you were going through or what trials the church was going through. You continued with me. You didn't go with the Laodiceans. You didn't go with all those people who thought they were the greatest. You stayed with me. And that really counts big when you're talking about your spiritual lives. Continue with God. So that means we're going to be persecuted in the future. Of course, he says, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. But we've got to stay with God. And that's not always easy. But God does make it pretty simple. It, we can get really complicated about, well... What kind of leadership is it in God's church? Well, it's pretty simple. We can just look to Christ, our head, and he'll point us to the Father. And we, if we do that and follow that, you are going to develop spiritual leadership. You're going to have the leadership we have to have in God's church. That is so critical. For all of us to understand. But you young people sometimes are going to be getting some of it first, just like the campers did. So what a what a blessing and what an opportunity to be here and to be at God's college. And let's just make sure we do everything we possibly can to take advantage of this greatest opportunity and the only opportunity you'll have as at college probably. Luke 16, 10, it says, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much, and he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. So whatever the assignment, whether it's in class or on the job or even where you're assigned for jobs, take it upon yourself to be faithful 
That's what a good steward does. Be faithful in the little things. Be faithful in the assignments you're excited about and in the ones that you're not so excited about. Everybody in this work can tell you there's weekly tasks and chores and responsibilities that you know even we will kind of put off because it's not one of our favorite things. But that, a lot of times, is where you build the most character, doing the things that have to be done, the things you know must be done, as opposed to the things that you really want to do. God is evaluating. The day of reckoning is coming. Verse 11 says, If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? See, God just wants to hand it all over to us. But he has to know that we'll be submissive. He has to know that we'll carry out his will. He has to know that we're going to fulfill his desire. He wants us to do all of it. But we need to do all of it his way. That's the kind of growth. That's the kind of ability. That's the kind of character that he wants for you to build. Do you approach each day with a purpose? Do you have a plan? And I have to ask myself these questions every day, too. How active is your brain and your mind? How much do you ask questions and have a burning desire to learn something new? I joke with people that I'm getting older, so it's like every other day that I learn something new, but really I try to learn several things every day. Are you looking at your life, at your education now, with vision? Can you see your goals clearly in front of you? True education, the growth of your mind, is the most important thing you can do if you want to serve God and serve this work. And we need people like that. Proverbs 23, verse 7 reads, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. And there's some more to that verse, but I just wanted to focus on the first part. As he or she thinks in his heart, in his mind or her mind, so are they. So it's very important to have the right thoughts that will lead to the right actions. And the right thoughts always precede those right actions. This is a quote here from January 1947. This is from the Plain Truth magazine, even older than me. So you know it's going back a ways. And it's entitled, And Now Our Own New College, starting out, as you may have heard, with just four students. Real conversion, as I break into the thought here, is education. Not the purely mental, materialistic, largely erroneous education of this world. No, not that kind at all. But real, true education, which is the renewing and enlightening of the mind, the feeding of the soul, the development of self-discipline and character, and true spiritual values. That is true education. The theme for the academic year 2020 for Imperial Academy is 2020 vision. And I think it's amazing how all three of those orientation lectures, of which you just listened to some select highlights, really do relate to that theme of vision. First, you heard from Armstrong Chancellor Gerald Flurry relating that incident where the disciples were arguing amongst themselves in Christ's presence about who would be the greatest in God's kingdom. You see, they were looking to the future. 
they had a vision of God's kingdom, and they did want to have high offices of responsibility and authority in God's kingdom. They also wanted to have a big reward. So at least they were focused on the future, even though obviously they're arguing, especially in Christ's presence, about who was the greatest was rather silly. Mr. Stephen Flurry, the Armstrong president, was talking there about being faithful in the little things, being mindful of the relatively small areas of responsibility God gives us charge over today, because we know that in the future, God will give us way more, much more responsibility. So we are looking to the future, and that's what motivates us to do our very best right now. And then you heard from Imperial Academy principal Wayne Turgeon. And of course, he was talking all about 2020 vision, the theme for this academic year. And that vision really does drive us forward. Having a plan, a purpose in mind for every day, for each week, month, year, and beyond, preparing for the future. So I did think that was a pretty common theme among those three orientation lectures. Vision. Vision is something that really does weave together almost every single topic in in the Holy Bible, if you really think about it. Think about this passage, Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27. This usually is not a passage associated with vision, but I'll explain how it does relate to vision. Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27. Therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that hears these sayings of mine and does them not shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house. And it fell, and great was the fall of it. Of course, this passage is talking about having a strong spiritual foundation that does help us withstand spiritual storms. But the whole motivation for having that strong foundation, at least as it relates to this passage, is so that our house does not fall down when the hard times come in the future. As chaotic as things are right now in the world, it's about to get a whole lot more chaotic. And we're preparing for that time so that we can stay loyal to God when those real storms come. You see, looking to the future and understanding both the good news and the bad news in the future can serve as plenty of motivation for us as we serve in God's work and within the Philadelphia Church of God today. What about this passage? Another passage that perhaps we don't usually associate with vision, but certainly does still relate to vision. Luke 14, verses 28 through 31. 
For which of you, intending to build a tower, sits not down first and counts the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest haply, after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, sits not down first and consults whether he be able, with ten thousand, to meet him that comes against him with twenty thousand? Normally this passage we associate with really deeply considering our calling, whether we really do want to commit the rest of our lives to God, to go forward with being baptized, receiving the Holy Spirit, and serving God for our entire physical lifetimes. Of course, that's what this passage is about. But at the same time, it's not, <laughs> it's not about just plunging into that without any future vision. We do have to know that we will be dedicated to this way of life forever. And we do have to count the cost. We do have to make sure we can finish building the building instead of leaving it undone halfway through. Or when going to war, like this other example shows, making sure that we have enough soldiers to win. Planning ahead, knowing to a certain extent what the future will hold in our own individual lives and making decisions accordingly. You know, really having vision, what we want for our lives, what we want to accomplish, what we want to do in life. So really it's amazing how many of these Bible topics do tie right back to vision. The July-August 2020 Royal Vision Christian Living Magazine has a cover article from Mr. Gerald Flurry titled, A Big Flaw in Churchill's Great Vision. He quotes Proverbs 29, verse 18, the first half, which says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. People die without vision. That is a sobering warning for us. Mr. Flurry says that applies to us all individually, and it applies to families, to organizations, to God's church, and to nations. What would America be like today with a little bit of vision? As Mr. Flurry talks about in this article, having historical vision would really help a lot, like, like Churchill had. If we had historical vision in this country, no one would be tearing down statues. No one would be trying to rewrite history. There wouldn't be an all-out attack on the truth today. Satan really does exploit a lack of historical understanding, making sure that we are just isolated in the present time. No grasp of what led up to the present time so that we can avoid the same mistakes of the past. 
Now, this article, a big flaw in Churchill's great vision, does make a pretty bold main point. The assertion here could seem outlandish to some people, to some people who know history, who know what a visionary Winston Churchill was. But consider this. Churchill did have some incredible historical vision. He actually predicted that Hitler would become the Chancellor of Germany before it even happened. And no one else knew who Hitler was at that time. Especially not foreigners, people outside Germany. Hitler knew back in 1932 that Hitler would become Chancellor eventually. And the very next year he did. Hitler knew the danger of trying to negotiate with Hitler. And how the entire Western world would collapse under the perverted science of Nazism if Britain tried to negotiate. He did have historical foresight, not political. And that's really very true of God's work today. God's work today is not ideological in terms of supporting one political party over another. Obviously, some principles are better than others. But without God, all ideas of human beings fall woefully short. But Churchill did have historical vision. He wasn't, he wasn't just obsessed with gaining and keeping power as a politician. He wasn't only knowledgeable in ways of undermining his rivals. He knew about history, and he applied that in his decision-making. But there was one area where, Hitler, where, where Churchill did fall short with his vision. And this comes down to the spiritual motivation of Hitler. And I don't want to give all of that away. It's definitely important that you go and read and study this for yourself. Again, this is in the Royal Vision, July, August 2020. You can get a free copy in the archives at pcg.church. You can sign up for a free subscription at thetrumpet.com. But Churchill did fall short in this one area. Mr. Fleury wrote, Over the centuries, the Catholic Church and the Holy Roman Empire that led it, that it led, rose, fell, and then rose again to dominate Europe. Why did Churchill lack understanding on how Hitler was connected to that? He knew history. I can't remember one time that he talked about the Holy Roman Empire. Yet the Holy Roman Empire is exactly what he was facing in World War II. Why did Churchill make this critical mistake? He had ample opportunity to learn what the Holy Roman Empire and the Catholic Church were all about. Churchill had historical perspective and insight, but clearly we need something more. To have real vision, we must also have prophetic insight. That is the type of insight, the type of vision Churchill lacked. Later on in this article, Mr. Flurry wrote, 
we have biblical foresight. Bible prophecy puts us head and shoulders above everybody else. Have you thought about it like that before? How your participation in God's work is totally unique? And how this work is vastly different from everybody else? This is a type of vision that changes the way we think about everyday life. Prophetic insight into both the good news and the bad news of the future. Mr. Flurry wrote, If Winston Churchill came today, would he be able to save the West? No, he would not. You see, it's so much worse today than when Churchill was first on the scene. And we need something more than just historical vision. You can study Ezekiel 33, verses 1 through 6, actually foretell Churchill's arrival on the world stage. And then verse 7 is talking about a different watchman set up not by the people, but by God himself. Mr. Flurry writes about this watchman of verse 7. First, he must go to the Bible and get the message from the mouth of God. Get grounded and established in that. That is real vision. Then we can consult the history books and the journalism. But when something is happening, we always go first to God. You want to learn what God says about it. And if it's really significant in the world, you will generally find it in the Bible. That's the type of vision that inundates God's work today. Prophetic vision. We know what the future holds. We know all the answers to life's most important questions. You can go to thetrumpet.com, pcg.church, watchjerusalem.co.il. We have just an abundance of resources for you at those websites. You can request physical copies of publications and articles and books and booklets, all for free. You can listen to the radio. You can watch the television programs. You can read the articles on the websites, all for free. And this message is so much different, really, mainly just because of prophetic vision. This is something you can't get from Fox News or Breitbart or The Daily Wire or anywhere else. No other news source has this kind of access and can tell you what's going on in the world this way. This is why God's work is decades ahead of anyone else. Why it does give you the news before the news even happens. So this is really something we should be deeply grateful for. This is a type of vision that helps us have peace of mind in our everyday lives. We don't have to worry about the deadly, vision, deadly division in our nations. We don't have to be afraid because we know that God is opening up vision to us and he's showing us what's happening. We can prepare accordingly based on what we know will happen. So we have been talking about vision today, how that was a common theme in last week's Armstrong College and Imperial Academy orientation lectures. We've been talking about how vision 
prophetic vision really does make God's work stand out. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Behind the Work. You've been listening to Behind the Work. Email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for a new episode each Monday at 1130 a.m. Central Time.